Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for the TOT cast with your hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Ryan Greco. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TOT cast. This is a very special edition. I mean, it's it's been a, a crazy week and uh, just gearing up for the BioSteel All-Canadian High School basketball game happening this coming Monday. And uh, something I thought me and Chris would uh, would do is just uh, spend an episode to uh, go over the events that we have planned ahead uh, going into this weekend, including tonight, where we have the Regional Stars Rising Competition, which is a showcase of the top 9th and 10th graders in Southern Ontario. They've got that going on tonight at the Athlete Institute. Very exciting event. And right after that, we're gonna ha- they're going to be having the uh, three-point shootout, which is going to be having some of the uh, the top players in the uh, game itself on Monday. That's going to be taking place right after that. And of course, the grand finale, the slam dunk competition, which is going to be taking place tonight at around 8 o'clock. So... What we really wanted to try and do for this episode is uh, get a chance to speak with some of the people involved in this event. Uh, we had a chance to speak with uh, the uh, CIA Bounce founder, Tony McIntyre, and talk to him a little bit about how this event came to be. Talk to him as well a little bit about how he even came to be. He's one of the most unlikely figures in basketball to, in this country to come to the prominence in the way that he did. I mean going from hockey and switching over and just starting off as a simple house league coach and building it into and building the CIA bounce in the organization that we see before us today, I mean, is is nothing short of remarkable. After that, we also then have actually one of the players that are going to be taking place not just in the all-Canadian high school game on Monday, but is actually going to be taking part in the slam dunk contest tonight, and that is none other than Mississauga's own Jalen Llewellyn. So, of course, we're keeping it local here on Tip of the Tower. <laughs> so, finally... To end it all out, I was very excited to get the opportunity to speak with uh, the one and only Leo Routens of TSN, Sportsnet, NBA TV, Canada Basketball, you name it, he's done it. Former Syracuse alumni, um, one of the, the first ever Canadian to ever be drafted in the NBA uh, as a lottery pick. I mean, one of the most accomplished players to ever come out of Canada. So we had an opportunity to speak with him for a, for a lengthy period of time, and he was just talking about the state of the game, how his thoughts on this event, and even just a couple of words about uh, uh, Thon Maker, of course, representing Orangeville, who has recently declared for the NBA draft, and he's going to be a part of this game as well. So we had we had a chance to talk to him about a lot of that stuff, um, and it's it was just a very um, a very exciting week. And so we're just going to kick this off right away and we're going to lead into uh, the CIA Bounce Founder. This was the discussion I had with uh, the one and only Tony McIntyre. So I hope you all enjoy. Here we are here in the TOT cast. Of course, this is me, Ryan Greco, and uh, we have the pleasure of being joined by the founder of CIA Bounce and also the head of the selection committee for the 2016 BioSteel All-Canadian High School Game Mr. Tony McIntyre, thank you so much for taking time out from what I'm sure is a very busy schedule leading up to this game. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Ryan. Thank you for having me on, and 
I'm looking forward to uh, this coming week and this weekend's uh, event. So it's, uh, it's a great time for basketball in Canada. Absolutely. And uh, so be- uh, before we start into the actual game itself, uh, we-, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and it actually blew my mind when you told me it. So how does somebody like yourself, who started off most of his life getting involved in hockey and playing hockey, uh, turn what was according to you at the time, really more of just kind of a pastime passion in basketball. And how did you turn it from that into basically what we see before us today? Um, you know, growing up, I, I always played um, hockey and basketball. And, uh, you know, you get into high school and you kind of got to make a decision uh, once you get into high school of, you know, what, what winter sport are you going to play? And I chose to continue playing hockey until I was 18. I, I had a serious injury when I was 18. Um, and uh, I couldn't play hockey anymore, so I, I kind of became disgruntled with the game and, and the sport, and, and said I'm going to go to the, the thing that I loved, uh, you know, the next best at that time, and that was basketball. And I wanted to be able to get back into the game and, and give back. There felt so many coaches, you know, through my sporting career, gave me opportunity and, and took time out of their, you know, their day and their. Their, their families to help me, uh, you know, as a as a kid from a single mother, uh, achieve what I needed out of school. So I wanted to start it, you know, back into the sport of basketball and be able to do the same thing. And it's been a long process. And uh, I, I just started coaching some house league teams and then a rep team and kind of grew from there into, uh, you know, after several years wanting to part ways and start my own thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's been a process like and describe for me if you can, because it's one thing to spend your time volunteering and helping out teams and, and, you know, to your to your words, what you were saying about like the house league and then even starting a rep team yourself. At what moment did you realize if you can if you can pinpoint a single moment? Because, you know, you, you've been involved with some of the biggest names in Canadian basketball, especially during this generation, whether it was uh, Anthony Bennett or Andrew Wiggins or Tyler Ennis or any of these guys. So if if there is one specific moment where you said, you know, th- this is serious. Like, this is turning into something extremely special. Could you name it? I don't know if I could name a specific time, but there was a series of events that, that kind of, you know, led to the formation of CIA Bounce, per se. But uh, I, I think that was kind of the turning point when we had, uh, you know, I was with another organization that had a great team that had a roster of uh, Tristan Thompson, Dylan Ennis, uh, Pat mm-hmm. Donnelly. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. Yeah. And, they were young, grade seven, eight, and and I wanted to take them down to and play AU. And the organization I was with didn't think that any of those kids would get a scholarship, and that I was wasting my time. And, and that was when we we kind of left and said, you know, we're going to start bounce basketball. And I think that became a turning point within you know that year when we, we left, started bounce basketball, and then joined with Mike George and CIA to form CIA Bounce. Yeah, we knew we had something special there, and. and you know, Mike and myself sat down and said, you know, what are our goals? And our goal was to get a kid a scholarship. And we knew we had two teams full of kids with, with scholarship potential. So I think that was kind of a, a major turning point in, in our program, uh, in our program that kind of led to, um, you know, many more kids, uh, like you mentioned, the Anthony Bennett, the, the Tyler Ennis, the Xavier Rafe and uh, those were the kids that um, you know benefited as a result of those first kids that came through our programs and and set the tone and and the standards and and started to make a name for our program. Mm-hmm. And that's that's insane to think that there's there was a time where you know or even to even hear that to say that you know you see a kid at Tristan Thompson in grade seven or eight being even the size he was then to say that he wouldn't have even gotten a scholarship, but. You know, a lot of people nowadays would think that's crazy, but that was a very real stigma back then, especially because those guys were all 89, 90s kids. And that was around at the time where even when I was playing basketball in high school and you would hear, oh, yeah, CIA bounce, that kid plays for bounce. Oh, yeah, they're all right. Nowadays, it's like, oh, my God, this kid plays for bounce sort of thing, right? <laughs> it, it, it was like that back, you know, 89, 90s, um, you know, the Tristan Thompsons or the 90s ones. And it, it was crazy because back then it was like, okay, CIA bounce, yeah. It really, you know, you walk in a gym. And it wasn't until after the first year when we, we merged, uh, we had two teams that ended up winning every single tournament that year and faced each other in the finals of every tournament and then faced each other in Ottawa in, in the OBA championship. So I think that was kind of uh, 
the year where it was like, okay, we could expand and start to add some age groups and get a little bit younger and, and people started to recognize and realize that, you know, there's something special that is hurting. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on to the game itself here. Um, it's obviously we live in a big country, just specifically by landmass. We got a lot of people that live in it. Now, what are some of the criteria for the selecting uh, players that you guys go through, you being the head of the selection committee? And and actually, as well, how challenging can it be to make sure that all of Canada is fully represented in this game? Because really, out, like Ontario and Quebec specifically, and also a bit of British Columbia, are the, one, are the real provinces that are making the leaps and bounds. So what are some of the, the criteria and, and what are some of the challenges making sure that everybody is fully represented? Well, it's, you know, when we started the game um, last year, one of the things that we wanted to do was make sure that we, we had a good representation from across Canada of mm-hmm. basketball people. And and so the formation of the selection committee last year, um, and, and as it is this year, was based on people that had um, good knowledge of what was going on in each of their provinces, as well as, um, you know, whether they're in the media or whether they're in basketball, um, knowing who the best players were, but also kind of stayed in tune with what was going on in the other provinces. So we really wanted to make sure that, you know, our 10-member selection committee represented basketball in Canada, but also represented each of the, the provinces that they represent. So it, it, I, I wouldn't say it's challenging to get the selection committee. Um, what, what's challenging is people having people understand what the selection committee does and what the head of the selection committee does. And, um, you know, when, when I discuss those types of things, I think everyone thinks that I pick the, the players that are in the game, but I actually have zero say in the game, mm-hmm. uh, the way that we have it set up. What I do is send out an email to each of the selection committee members, have a discussion with them um, to fill out a ballot that is a blank ballot of having each of the members fill 50 players that they, they think are deserving of the mini biosteel game. Mm-hmm. Um, so each of those 10 members across the country fill out the ballot of 50 players. That ballot comes back, um, and it is it, sent to Adam Hoffman, who is a separate entity, um, you know, that tabulates those results from Pretty River Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. And he basically then gives me back um, an email that is forwarded to the selection committee with top 36 names. So based on... Everyone filling out the 50, who were the 36 most votes of those 50 mm-hmm. times the 10 people? Uh, when that happens, each of those 10 selection committee members then goes and picks 24 players of those 36 that will form the rosters for the biofill game. There's a couple rules that are in, in, in there, and one of those rules is that you can only pick six um, Canadian players that are playing in U.S. prep schools if they're from Ontario. Hmm. Um, so what we want Why just Ontario? Because because what happens is what what would eliminate a lot of the other provinces oftentimes is, you know, let's say British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, Quebec or Nova Scotia, a lot of those kids go down to prep school and and best players there are doing that because there is no alternative. So yeah. what would happen is if you had that number six for all of Canada, some of the kids from those other provinces wouldn't make the game. But by saying that it's from Ontario, because it is typically Ontario, Quebec heavy, um, due to the population, yeah. we wanted to spread it out to be able to not take out any of the players from the other, other provinces and punish them for the fact that they went down to the U.S. Uh, for prep school. Um, and then the rest of the players are made up of anyone else in Canada. So six U.S prep players that are from Ontario and then it's open so the other what is it uh, 18 players are from anywhere in Canada basically the rules that were behind it you uh, you know there's an age restriction that you put in um, can be older than a fifth year um, and and there's no other restrictions on terms of age or grade lower than being a fifth year mm-hmm. and the game itself is only in its second year so it's still it's still particularly young um, at some point, would you be willing to advocate for the idea of having the main game itself? Because you guys already do have a Rising Stars uh, game that happens uh, out in the Athlete Institute, usually on the Saturday before the big event. Um, would you advocate at some point for this 
Biosteel game to eventually be a seniors only sort of event? And would you also at some point start advocating a women's game as well for it once it's grown in talent pool, I guess you could say? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I'll kind of take it back. So this year's, um, we called it a regional rising stars game because it's really a local grade, uh, nine and ten game. Yeah. Um, for the younger kids just as a part of the Sunday activities at the Bassin Institute, which includes the BMO uh, slam dunk competition and the sports check three point shootout. So, you know, just to get some of the younger kids interested in and be able to showcase some of the local talent, uh, we've done a regional all Canadian game as well. Um, in terms of making the BioSteel all Canadian game, which will be on Monday night this year at USP, um, seniors only game. Yeah, we've, we've had those discussions. Um, we felt as though uh, we needed to open it up to high school age players uh, in, in the first couple of years. Um, I think that the sport of basketball and, and, and Canada, you know, is going to be able to um, accommodate a seniors only game um, within the next couple of years. Uh, I think we'll definitely look at that from a board of directors standpoint. Um, that's some of the feedback that we received this year as well. Um, but it also allows, you know, if, if you get a kid that's in grade 11 that's in the game, it gives him an opportunity to play in it for two years and, and become somewhat of a household name that's based on PFM. Yeah. So, you know, there's both pros and cons to it. Um, but we definitely will uh, look at that uh, going into next year's game for sure. Um, and then the third question was uh, female component to it. Yeah, we will definitely start to look at a female component to, to the biosteel game as well. Mm-hmm. And also, um, how important is it for your your organization, just, you know, whether it's biosteel or the, sorry, more CIA bounce actually, um, and also for Athlete Institute, that which has also had a heavy hand in this event being done, um, and Canada Basketball, who's also been a major partner in this, uh, how important is it for all of your, all of these organizations that this event is now going to be getting prime time airtime showing viewing uh compared to last year when it was just a pre-taping because it every everything last year just seemed like you know it was the first of its kind so everything was kind of like a wait and see sort of scenario and what kind of product you have on the floor and now that you guys have kind of proven it so how how vindicating is it to know that now tsn is really going to go full frontal into this and be fully committed and giving you guys a prime time slot on one of their main networks um i, I mean it's it's, it's amazing that, that we're able to do that in, in the second year. Um, you know, in terms of CIA Bounce and Athlete Institute, I don't think that, you know, we, we play any role in this game other than we sit on the board of directors who, you know, as individuals that wanted to start this game. Um, so that really want to keep it separate from what this game is and, uh, you know, a celebration of every program, every player, every coach, every high school. Uh, throughout Canada and, and really keep the AEU part of it out or, or the prep school part of it out and, and really just focus in on this game has the best players from the best programs all across Canada and everyone's working together on, on, on creating a stage and an opportunity and a moment in time for these players to, to be on national TV with, with a great partner like TFN. Um, last year in our first year, um, we were up against the day day that we wanted to do the game and, and the, the availability of the facility, uh, we fell on the same day that the Raptors were, were playing the Boston Celtics, so we were on pace delay that day. And this year, we, we selected a day where um, to work with TSN and, and our, our facility as well as our game uh, to limit the amount of days that the kids are going to miss school as well, um, mm-hmm. which was a contributing factor to move it to the Monday night this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it ended up, you know, Checking off all the boxes for us and, and saying, "Hey, you know, the Miss last school check. Uh, there's no Raptors game check. We have a great facility check. We got a night when nothing else is on, and we're going to be on every CSN platform. Perfect. Let's 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 move ahead with this. It's it's, it's awesome synergy, and, and you know, we're we're so proud of um, you know what what's going to put on that floor uh, on Monday night, April 11th. I brought up Athlete Institute just because. Um I, I know that you, you know, you have a, you have a role with Athlete Institute as well up in Orangeville. And, uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Jamal Murray 
and the season that he just had with Kentucky. And now what are your thoughts on him declaring for the draft? And what kind of adjustments do you think it will be for him when he gets to the league? He's shown through whether it was the Pan Am games or even on the stage here in the, in the NCAA tournament that he's not afraid of the big lights and he doesn't seem like the kind of kid that's going to get rattled easily in his pro life. But, uh, I'm just curious to think what your thoughts might be because you've had an opportunity to be around him a few times, especially before he really kind of blew up, if you will. So just, just wanted your thoughts on, on his next step in his career and what you think uh, will come of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, being around Jamal for his entire high school career, a little bit before that, through club ball as, as well as up at the African Institutors, you know, he, he, he's a hard-working kid. He, him and his, his father, Roger, have done a great job. Roger trains him every day. And, you know, mentally and physically, the kid's ready. He, you know, he stepped into Kentucky um, after reclassifying to go early, you know, what's what, Really phenomenal about what Jamal's done is he was supposed to be a senior in high school this year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wow. He, uh, you know, went into Kentucky and, and lights on and just performed. And, and we've seen him do that over and over. The bigger the stage, the more the lights, the better he is. And I think, you know, him declaring for the draft and, and heading to the NBA is, you know, what, what's, what he's been looking at. You know, when he's in the gym working out with, you know, Wiggins and Bennett and Ennis and, and all the other guys while he was growing up. Um, you know, he, he, he had a goal, a dream and, and, you know, I knew he was a one and done kid from time he was in grade 10, 11. You know, it was something that I had been around and, and saw in him and uh, I, I honestly wasn't surprised what he did at Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. cause I've seen it so many times, but I think he's going to be a great pro. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have been asking me lately, you know, how high do you think we'll draft it to be a top three pick, hmm. uh, depending on what what team gets that number one pick and what their need is. And, and there's a, there's a real possibility that I even believe I don't. Yeah, I think he could go number one. And uh, moving from one uh, BioSteel MVP to going on to this year, uh, last question, Tony. Um, is there anyone in particular? Now, a lot of people, especially people around the high school basketball scene, they know of Thon Maker. They know of even Ignis Brzezikis now that he, you know, he kind of had his coming out party, I guess you could say, against Oak Hill Academy at the Jordan brand. Um, there's obviously Mature Maker. There's, you know, Javon Blair as well. He's been around now for a couple of years. Uh, is there anyone outside of some of these guys that you would, you would recommend keeping an eye on going into this game? And what kind of, uh, what kind of performance might be able to surprise the crowd, uh, when they go to the UFT to see this game? Well, I mean, there, there's going to be all kinds of great players in this game. Obviously, there's the top 24 kids in Canada. But, um, I mean, a name that, that people should look at, Justin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the ones that you mentioned there. And I mean, uh, Jerome DeRosier last year in the game, uh, put on a show, had a smile on his face, had a great time, had a couple mm-hmm. of jumps and did well. And he's back in this year. And, um, you know, the hard play is going to be great this year with, uh, guys like Kobe, who was a McDonald's All-American nominee, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Walker, Shea Alexander, you know, there's some high level guys in this game that are just going to come out there. And then obviously, young boy, um, Andrew Nemhart, who's got quite a buzz. So I mean, when you go through this roster, anyone could step up and, and, you know, just kind of take over. You've got Nicola uh, Jogo that's going to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Rosette, who had an outstanding, uh, season out, out at the new prep this year. So, you know, it goes on and on. Um, guys that are, got a lot of hype, Godwin. Who just signed at UIC? So I mean, there's just there's so many. I think these guys are actually going to come into this game and really glad each other. There's a amount of NBA personnel and and, and buzz that, that's around the game. I think step out there, put on a great show for everyone this year. Absolutely. And uh, I'll just uh, I was going to say, speaking of NBA personnel, I saw you. Uh, at the Jordan brand, uh, uh, chatting it up with Carmelo Anthony there because he was getting a lot of uh, love from the crowd during that game. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what kind of relationship do you have with him? Was that just more of a run-in, or was it like, or is that some someone that you've uh, you've actually known for a few years? Um, well, Carmelo obviously the connection to Syracuse, Tyler. Yeah. Um, and then um, you know just the the whole as Canada basketball has really been growing, he's, he's taken a genuine interest in. Part of what we, we talked about doing was, uh, he's got a TV show, um, that he's, he's working on and 
we wanted to have a, a discussion uh, about the rise of basketball in Canada and what helped promote it. And, you know, proud, obviously, you know, being, you know, playing at Syracuse and, you know, having so many Canadians that have gone through the Syracuse program. It takes a general interest of in what's going on up here. And, you know, he just wanted to really just reach out and, and talk ball and, and talk about the guys that are up and coming and the guys that are in college and guys that you should watch out for in the NBA. So, you know, it was, it was more of just a follow-up discussion and mm-hmm. that we had been talking about and, and trying to, uh, to get more well-known for, for basketball in Canada. Well, I'd like, as a Canadian basketball fan, I would uh, like to be the first to formally extend an invitation to Carmelo Anthony to become one of our assistant coaches when he retires, whether it's for the national team or the junior national team. We can get him a green card. He can set him up with a condo up here. It'll be great. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I'm an honorary Canadian. Absolutely. Uh, Tony McIntyre, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time joining us here on the TOT cast. Uh, we hope to talk uh, sometime soon, especially with the the AAU uh, circuit uh, starting up, CAA bounce, you know, as as with every year, we're expecting big things from you guys and making some noise down in the States. So once again, thank you for joining us. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, anytime. Right. I, I'm always here. I appreciate it, Tony. Have a great rest of your day and uh, enjoy your week because I know it's going to be busy. <laughs> it will, but it's always fun. Appreciate it. Take care. And of course, that was... Uh, Tony McIntyre, CIA Bounce founder, also uh, the head of the selection committee for the BioSteel All-Canadian High School game taking place uh, this Monday. Uh, really candid conversation, um, just uh, one of those kind of guys, just a true, a true architect in how the game is being perceived today in Canada. Uh, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of thanks to him for taking time joining us here on the TOT cast. Now, the next person we have up is actually one of his players during the summertime during the AAU season, and that's uh, Jalen Llewellyn, who is also going to be participating in the Canadian High School game this year, uh, former product of uh, Father Gates Secondary School before joining Orangeville Prep this season, uh, local Mississauga kid, uh, really bright, really intelligent, makes all, a lot of very good decisions on the floor, a lot of athleticism, and uh, seeing him from what he was even just a year ago to what he's turned into now through facing the competition he's faced, is nothing short of incredible. So uh, we had an opportunity to speak with him for a little bit. And, of course, above all else, we asked him uh, who his favorite dunkers are, seeing as he's now going to be involved in the dunk contest taking place on the Sunday nights. And he told me after the interview he's going to be putting together something that we've never seen before. So make sure you check that out when you can. And here it is. I interview and sit down with Jalen Llewellyn. And welcome back to the TOT cast. Of course, my name is Ryan Greco, and joining me this uh, this hour is uh, one of the actual participants of this year's BioSteel All Canadian High School game, Jalen Llewellyn of Orangeville Prep. Jalen, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure has been a very busy day to uh, speak for us for a few minutes here on the TOT cast. Uh, thank you for having me. So, Jalen, I just wanted to um, ask you a couple of brief questions. Just let the listeners get a better idea of who you are as a person. Uh, originally from Mississauga, Ontario, this is uh, your first season playing in the OSBA, the prep circuit up here in Canada. Um, but you've had a little bit more experience than that coming into this. So tell us a little bit about um, how it was that you came to join Orangeville Prep. Um, I think it was uh, definitely um, the national scene and the AU really helped that because I'm playing against more like talented players um, and that uh, that really helped me uh, coming to Orangeville because I'm playing against uh, so many good players um, like the regular high school scene um, that I was playing in last year it wasn't it's the best competition so I had to uh, learn from playing from uh, AU and Team Canada how to play against really good players and so when um when you had an opportunity to to kind of come into this spotlight, the the lights are a little bit brighter, the 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 attention's a little bit more on detail. You're a much more you you always you've always came across as a bit more of an introverted person. So has any of this experience kind of had to make you make any adjustments as far as being a little bit more accessible, whether it was to teammates or whether it was to media, especially given this whole situation right now with the BioSteel game and getting selected to this team or any of the experience that you spent with Team Canada during the Worlds over the summer, 
Uh, has any of that kind of prepped you for what's inevitably going to be the next step for you next year? Um, yeah, it definitely helped me um, kind of like open up because uh, playing at this high of a level, you definitely have to, as a point guard, like develop leadership skills, and that comes with a lot of communication. So uh, through practices and games, I have to learn to uh, speak more and get my teammates involved, like communicate with them, and um, it ultimately it will, ultimately it will help with like uh, events like this with BioSteel because there's a lot of like press and media and reporters and stuff like that, and you have to be able to. Uh, be able to speak your mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, talk to me a little bit about your experience on the court this year, playing in the OSBAs and playing on the circuit down in the pre- in, in the states with the prep schools. What was your funnest experience on the floor? Is there any specific team that you guys played against, or any specific tournament where you were thinking to yourself, "Man, this is it! Like this, this is what I love doing, and this is what it's really all about." Um, I would say. Most fun was probably in uh, Hoopal when we played uh, Mount Verde Academy. Um, that was just a, even though we we uh, lost that game, it was it was good because we all played really hard, and I felt like I was doing all the things that I, I like to do. I was finding my teammates uh, and scoring when I needed to, and it just felt like um, that was just a really good game on uh, my part and my teammates' part. Mm-hmm. But I, even though I, I wish we could have won that game, but it was still of course, <laughs> of course, man. You're, at the end of the day, you're a competitor, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, now that must have been a lot of fun going up against RJ as well, because he's been getting a lot of press up here, whether it's through Sportsnet or TSN, and like, and you've played yeah. with him as well over the summer. So was was there any kind of uh, any extra motivation going up against him? Uh, yeah, definitely was um, going against RJ and uh, Simi. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, they both been my teammates, and so we were playing against them, so kind of like friendly competition. But yeah, it was good. Was there any trash talking after the game? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it wasn't that much. Uh, a little bit before the game, but after we were all good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And um, so, talk to me a little bit about uh, so this event now, BioSteel. Um, now you've kind of had already a bit of a an exposure to. Lights this bright, I guess you could say, in Toronto because you took part in the uh, Jordan Brand Classic against, of all schools, Oak Hill Academy, and you had Carmelo Anthony sitting front row and center watching you guys play. I mean, talk about that experience for us. Um, it was it was like unbelievable to, to believe that like uh, players of that caliber are sitting there watching myself and my friends, but like uh, it was just crazy playing in that atmosphere. Um, I was a little nervous at first, but uh, I settled down and got used to it. But it was still amazing. What are some of the lessons you took away from that game that you will be looking to apply to this event here happening on Monday? Um, a big one would be definitely not to worry about what's outside of the court. It just matters about uh, what's inside those four lines, um, your teammates, and your coaches, and not to really worry about the fans or press or what other people might think. Just play, play, play my game and have fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a few guys that have already been in this game, guys like Thon, and there's a couple of guys in your organization that have uh, been to this last year. Um, have Have you gotten any advice from them about how to handle? this event uh, because it's it's a long one right i mean you guys have been doing nothing but media all day since about what 10 a.m yeah yeah so you know there's a lot of effort that a lot of people are going into to showcasing you guys so sometimes it can be overwhelming to somebody who hasn't done this now it's one thing to do with the jordan brand and that was that was that was interesting and that was a big deal but at the same time it was almost kind of like a smaller cursor to the all-star events that was happening in toronto to begin with right but this event is a little bit more focused on you guys specifically. So is there any kind of advice you might have gotten from anybody in the academy that you've been either with Orangeville Prep or or any of your opponents, Athlete Institute, who you guys train with occasionally, any advice that they've given you? Um, most of them said uh, last year um, it was like their first time in it, so they were nervous coming out and they're saying how looking back they didn't 
we think they played that well. So this year they're looking to come out and just play and have fun. So I'm trying to learn from them and try and do what they're doing this year mm-hmm. to make my first experience uh, even better. Tell me what you think would be a good game for Jalen Llewellyn. Um, a good game would definitely be. Uh, I don't. I don't expect to be scoring that much. Um, definitely have like uh, a couple buckets here and there, but like definitely uh, finding my teammates when I'm in the game, making sure that uh, they're playing the positions to showcase what they can do. Um, a good game would definitely be making sure I'm uh, controlling the tempo and not turning over the ball because mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that's a big thing that like scouts or whoever's watching. Um, they pay attention to it. so and pretty much just trying to lead the team and have fun. Just before we get to the big game, uh, we do have the skills competition going on, and um, a little birdie told me that you're going to be participating in the dunk off. Is that true? Yep, I am. And I mean, so you you've got some shoes to fill, I must say, because Jalen last year, Jalen Poiser. He was he put on quite the show for us uh, between him and Jamal Murray, um, a few of the yeah a few of the guys that were involved there. I mean, uh, given everything that you were, have you taken any kind of inspiration from the dunk off that we had at the All Star break? And if there was, is there who is your favorite dunker to watch? Um, I I really liked um, Zach Levine and um, Aaron Gordon. I personally think Aaron Gordon should have won, but nice both of them were, were really good. <laughs> You're so soft-spoken, yet you can be so controversial sometimes, man, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite dunker to watch in a game? I would say uh, I watched some highlights. I didn't really catch many of his games in the prime, but I would say Vince Carter during like, his Raptor days because hmm. his in-game dunks were ridiculous. Can you walk us through any specific dunk that you appreciated in-game? Yeah, I think there was one... Uh, I don't remember who they were playing or who did the pass, but they lobbed it to him and he caught it in windmill in game. So uh, that's pretty ridiculous. I I know that one. I know that one. I think that was against the Spurs, but I could be wrong. So listeners, don't eviscerate me if I can't figure that one out properly. (laughs) But man, all right. Well then, once again, Jalen Llewellyn, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Um, Future BioSteel Slam Dunk Contest champion. Future BioSteel MVP. Am I saying? I'm just saying it. I don't. I don't know what could happen. Anything could happen. We we don't know what can happen, Jalen. So let's just all have fun this weekend and find out, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as always, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's been a busy day, so go rest up. Uh, get those get those springs nice and coiled for tonight. <laughs> and uh, take care of yourself, man. And uh, yes, just best of luck this weekend. And uh, we're all rooting for you out here in Saga City. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's Jalen Llewellyn of Orangeville Prep and of the BioSteel All-Canadian High School game. And once again, that was Jalen Llewellyn of Orangeville Prep, who is going to be taking part in the Slam Dunk Contest on Sunday night and is going to be taking part in the BioSteel All-Canadian High School game itself on the Monday night. Um, really talented kid, as I said before when I was introducing him, and a uh, real pleasure to talk to him. Uh, very low-key kid, but, I mean... He's anything but low-key when he's on the floor, so, I mean, just keep that in mind. Now, there was somebody who actually had some pretty high praises for him, and that was none other than Leo Routens, and that's actually going to be our next guest on this episode of the TOT Cast. I had an opportunity to sit down with Leo for a good uh, half an hour over the phone and just dis- uh, discussing some things uh, regarding, you know, how Canadian basketball has came to be where it is right now compared to how it even was when he was coming up. Um... I mean, he really went into depth about the changes in coaching and attitude towards preparing these kids as they're moving into now the professional ranks and how the grassroots movement itself has really pushed towards what we're seeing today. And uh, even just being an advocate for the idea of keeping talent mostly here and even going as far as saying that he would love to see a day where the Canadian universities are able to take it on a level above and maybe even creating their own Division One league where universities can play their play themselves or have um, scholarships and things of that nature. So he gets into a lot of detail with that sort of stuff near the end of the interview. So, I mean, it was just a fascinating half hour discussing everything that we did with him and uh, the advice that he, in a sense, gave Thonmaker. And I think that it's something that you'll all just really enjoy. If, if you guys know me and you know 
how involved I am in basketball in high school uh, in this country and especially here in southern Ontario. Uh, this will be a real treat to listen to. So not, I'm going to give to you now without any delay, No, none other than Leo Routens of TSN, NBA TV, Sportsnet, Canada Basketball, you name it, he's done it. Here he is, Leo Routens. Welcome everybody back to the TOT cast. Of course, I'm Ryan Greco, and today we have a very, very special guest willing to uh, take the time to talk to us. Uh, he is a TSN analyst for Toronto Raptors, NBA TV, Sportsnet. He's been just about everywhere there is to be in, in, uh, in Canadian media, seen everything you could possibly see in the world of basketball. Leo Routens, thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Ryan. Good to be here. So, Leo, um, just a couple of things I wanted to uh, talk to you about, uh, your opinion on um, really just the grassroots swelling that we've seen here in Canada as far as basketball goes. Uh, you had an opportunity just uh, recently to uh, cover the Jordan Brand game that had uh, the Orangeville prep take on Oak Hill Academy, and also Father Henry Carr was involved in that event, and you've had an opportunity to be around uh, even at the BioSteel uh, game last year. Uh, tell me some of your thoughts on everything that you've seen in the last couple of years that's you know, that's impressed you the most about this sudden surge, really, in the last, I'd say, five to ten years of Canadian basketball at the grassroots level. Oh, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, the growth has been big short of phenomenal. There's so many kids playing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of closer, closer to it than you think. I have a, I have a son that's playing uh, and involved in, you know, AAU program. Uh, and what I, I kind of had a great eye open last summer. Uh, so traveling around the uh, we were in different places, uh, you know, Atlantic City, uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. Springfield, Massachusetts, just kind of bouncing around and doing the doing the, the loop. And something just really jumped out at that the most dominant the team that you know, my son was playing on was the most dominant team in almost every tournament that we were in. Here's the crazy part: <laughs> the other teams that were the most dominant, the other Canadian. And in one tournament, the best, the best other team was kind of the second team from his, his program. So, uh, to me, that, that just said, wow, you know, if you take a look around what's going on here. And these are some pretty good tournaments with, uh, pretty good teams from, uh, notable U.S. AAU programs. So it just showed to me, you know, what's really happening that, you know, there's just so many kids playing at, at such a high level. Uh, and I think one of the big things that's happening, you know, with all the all the AAU programs, you know, bounce the Northern Kings, Canada Lead, all those different programs, uh, you're seeing much better coaching. Uh, kids are being exposed to better coaching, better opportunities. So it's not just rolling up the ball and having these kids play. Uh, you know, they're being taught how to play. Uh, they're they're getting practice time in, uh, and, and you know, I, I also think that they're getting great inspiration from all the Canadian kids that have gone on and now playing either big-time basketball at the collegiate level or, or in the NBA uh, and, and all the lottery picks and so forth, first-round picks that Canada's had. Now they're saying, you know what, hey, this is something I can do. This is something that I can strive for. And and I think it's it's becoming very much a reality for so many kids now that understand if you put in the work, you put in the time, you're going to have some great opportunities. So as a result, you're seeing this enormous swell um, at the grassroots level, uh, uh, you know, for the game in this country. It's just great to see. Absolutely. I mean, um, and going on to that, one of the best examples we've seen of that in the last, I'd say, about year or two has been Jamal Murray and his ascension. Now, he's a really unique case, in my opinion, from what we've seen compared to anything else that has came out of this country. He's really... The first kid that we've seen almost, I could even argue since we saw you playing for St. Mike's, that we've seen a kid who's genuinely spent his entire playing career representing a Canadian school and then finally making the jump over into Kentucky. And above all else, he did this when really he should actually still be in grade 12. That's one thing that completely blew my mind when I found out about that. Now, with that being said, and him as pretty much the prime example of this, is it important to you at all that these players find a way to stay home or does it really necessarily matter? Because I've also been hearing rumblings of, of RJ coming home and playing for a prep school up here at some point. We've seen guys like Jalen Poyser make the jump from Finley Prep, which was the premier place to be in the United States for prep school basketball. And then now making the jump and coming back to play for the Athlete Institute. 
Uh, is this something that would that would be important to you particularly, or do you think this is something important for Canadian players to see, or is it just a byproduct of better coaching, as you say up here? Well, you know, I, I think there, there's there's more of a history to this. I mean, you mentioned my situation where you know I I basically did it from here. Uh, Jamal McGlure became an all-star in the NBA, right? Yes, East, Eastern uh, Commerce. You know, that's right. <laughs> Commerce. Uh, Going, going to Kentucky. Uh, you know, Kelly O'Lennon, uh, stayed in Canada. Uh, you know, Kevin Pangos, uh, stayed in Canada. So you, you, I mean, you can go down a list that there's more kids, but my point being that I, I think it really comes down to an individual choice of what you think is best for you. Um, you know, I, I don't ever want to tell a kid he shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. It really depends on where you think you can get your best development. But what, what I'm excited about is that there, there are great opportunities for kids to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's the important point. That uh, I, I think there was a time where we saw a mass exodus and kids were just going to go. And I think that was bad because uh, a lot of kids got lost in the shuffle. A lot of kids went to situations that, frankly, were not good, not healthy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and choices were being made for them as opposed to them picking the best situation for themselves. Uh, and a lot of that was naivety on their part or, or, you know, ignorance and not really understanding the whole picture or their families or other people involved with them. So now you're seeing kids are much more educated on their options. And to have options in Canada is just amazing. You know, I love the idea of the OSBA having a prep league where the best kids can go and compete against each other uh, and stay home. Um, you know, pe- people sometimes forget, you know, when you're – 15, 16, 17 years old to go live, you know, in, in another country, in another, and you don't know what the conditions are. Even if they're ideal, it doesn't make it great for a young kid to be, you know, away from his family, uh, away mm-hmm. from the people he knows and what he's comfortable with uh, at such an early age. Uh, not every kid is ready for that. So uh, I, I, I'm thrilled with the, the idea that these kids now have more options uh, to stay. I think high school level, Basketball, obviously, with the number of kids playing, gets better and better. The OSBA and what that provides, and hopefully that's going to continue to grow and get better. But when you have, you know, Orangeville Prep, Athletes Institute, uh, and all the other schools that are available to these kids now, um, I think it's great. And, and and the big point is that, you know, coaching is getting better. These kids are getting you know, uh, now they're getting the same type of coaching they could get if they go somewhere else. So if you're getting the coaching and you're getting the competition, you know, why do you need to leave? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's, uh, that's, that's what we're starting to see right now. Uh, and that's just gonna make it a much better situation, uh, in this country for all these young kids playing. I wanted to touch on uh, actually the MVP of the OSBA for a brief moment, uh, cause he's made some pretty Serious headwaves both up here in Canada and the United States. And of course, that's Don Maker. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you're pointing out the idea of what's a good fit for you, the decisions that are being made by the kids as opposed to decisions being made for them at a certain time. And it really seems like Thon in the situation that he is in right now. I mean, he's 19. He, he could very well be able to bypass this, this, um, this rule or clause that they have for him to go straight into the NBA draft. Now, a lot of people have came out of the woodwork now because a lot of the conversation beforehand has been, well, you know, if he just has a little bit more time doing this and almost everybody was expecting him to do college, anybody who had actually really been following him knew that there was a real possibility that he could have actually done the pro route, even though it never really seemed like it was the wisest decision looking from the outside. But I mean, we could all, we could all sit here and be armchair GMs when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I think, Really what I just want, the question I just wanted to ask you is how important is it for a kid to be able to understand what he's truly capable of at the level, at any kind of level, whatever decision he's making, whether it's division one or whether it's going to the NBA, because it can be a life changing experience for him for better or for worse. Uh, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not big on, you know, the NBA rule that limits, you know, high school kids going to the NBA. I don't think we should limit anybody or, or restrict mm-hmm. anybody. Um, you know, hey, if you're good enough to go, you should be able to go. Um, if it doesn't work out for you or if an NBA team makes a bad decision, well, that's, that's basically your problem and their problem. And mm-hmm. that's something that, 
you know, everybody would have to, over time, become smarter and smarter about making those decisions. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't like the idea of somebody that's very talented that wants to, you know, take his game to the next level to not be allowed to do that. Now, in Tron's situation, it, it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, the NBA rule, obviously, you know, 19 and one year removed from high school. And if the NBA is going to, you know, allow his situation, uh, being at Athletes Institute, uh, as a prep, uh, to be that, you know, to suffice, to suffice in making that move. So I, I think we're all curious to see how that's going to play out. But, uh, you know, Thon, here's the thing that I think people forget. The college game is not what it used to be. Hmm. Uh, you know, you don't have, it used to be, hey, go to college and, and develop your game and become a player. Well, the, the college coach is not the same animal that it used to be. The college coach today has to recruit, win, or get fired. So that's simple as that. And if you go to a college school, say, and you know, you, you're, you, if you can't help that coach win, he's going to option two. And if option two can't help, he's going to option three. So it's not about developing you and getting you to where you need to be after four years. Mm-hmm. It's about that coach winning or losing his job. That's really what this college basketball is evolving. And, and you look at all the coaches that are up for coach of the year honors that are all fired. <laughs> so it's, it, 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 uh, it's not the same thing. And the NBA game is very different than the college game. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Wiggins is a great example of that. You know, a lot of people question him at Kansas saying, Hey, look at this. He's not dominating. He's not doing this, not doing that. Well, you know, in the college game, I can take two guys that have nothing to do with the game. And stick them in your in your way all game long. Uh, you know you, the, you you don't have any illegal zones. You don't have this. You don't have that. You, I could take him put over here. I might not have any other guys. But uh, your team may not have some other guys take pressure off. So I can basically put somebody in your nose the whole night long, and you're not going to be able to operate freely. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that in the NBA. The NBA is, is 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 much more open, much more free for a player with tremendous talent to operate. So you can sit there and say, okay, you go to college. And you can learn a game that, quite frankly, you're not going to be able to use. Huh. Or you can go to the NBA and learn the craft that you're going to be playing in, hopefully, in the next 10 years. Mm. Um, so, you know, I look at a player like Thon and I look at his skill set. I don't see a skill set like his necessarily benefiting from the college experience. Really? He's seven feet tall, to put the ball on the floor, shoot threes, and, and do all those different things. Um, it, it, it's very difficult, really, to to thrive, I believe, in the college environment. Whereas the NBA, where there's much more open, much more free, much more movement, uh, you know, if you, where you can utilize uh, his size. And, you know, whether he's ready right now or not, it really doesn't matter because so uh, most of the guys that come into the NBA are not ready. And the NBA has become more about development, quite honestly, than the college game because there's so many young guys and they're all projected. So... Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at a Thon Maker, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to go through his workouts. He's going to impress a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, if he's able to play, I think, uh, you know, some team is definitely going to take a gamble on him and, and uh, give him an opportunity. And over time, he's going to be he's going to be able to show he can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it's great that he's coming out of an environment like Athletes Institute where, uh, you know, he made a choice to be here. He made a choice to stay here. Now he's potentially going to the NBA draft right out of the school here, uh, which is a great selling point for all these kids. Of course. And I just want to play devil's advocate real quick uh, before we move on. Now, me and my uh, my co-host, we had this uh, we had this debate yesterday about the idea of using Corey Joseph as a good example as somebody who was one and done, who didn't necessarily seem like somebody who was ready to go right away, and he went late in the first round. Now, there was a guy who got picked up in probably one of the best situations as far as San Antonio Spurs are concerned, but... There was a kid who's pretty much had been spending his entire playing career since he was 16 in Texas, then going on to play for Texas, the Longhorns, and then basically it's only about a 90-minute drive from San Antonio to Austin. Right in their backyard, San Antonio was able to see this kid pretty much develop. I'm sure Pop may have asked a few questions about him before the team eventually drafted, and more specifically the GM as well over there. Now, let's play devil's advocate for a second now. The Toronto Raptors have two picks in the first round, depending on how the Nuggets, or the Knicks uh, perform. And 
how interesting would you think it would be for a team that pretty much has had this player in their backyard for the past two years? What do you think would be the likelihood that Toronto would take a look at him if he was available? Well, you know, first of all, I think Messiah Jerry will take a look, takes a look at everybody. So yeah. whether, whether that player is in his backyard or that player is back in Australia or wherever, it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you have to understand about San Antonio that I've been saying this for years. If I was an NBA GM, I would park my car outside their, their locker room <laughs> training camp. Yeah. Whoever they cut, I'm going to get my hands on because they spend so much time and energy in scouting and developing and research and this and that that everybody they bring in, uh, is, is, they've done their homework on. So the fact that Corey Joseph was nearby, uh, for San Antonio certainly didn't hurt. But, yeah. you know, San Antonio also is a team that has the luxury of taking their time. Uh, they knew that Corey Joseph was not ready to play. And had Corey Joseph, uh, not been taken by them, uh, you know, his career may have gone in an entirely different direction. And that's not a knock on him, but at, at the time that he put his name in the draft, he really wasn't ready. Uh, but San Antonio is a team that can, uh, put you there, send you their D-League team, develop you, take their time with you. You can learn with all the veteran players. And it became a, an unbelievable situation for him. The Toronto Raptors right now really have to be prudent in their choices because it's not just about, you know, getting a guy for the future. I mean, they did that with Kaboko. Uh, mm-hmm. so they, I think they have one, a need to, yeah, plan for the future, but two, you want players that can impact your organization now and continue to take you to that next level in your development. So whether a Thon Maker can offer that now, I don't know. Uh, but I can assure you that, uh, you know, he's been, he's been watched like every other player, uh, intently by Messiah Jerry and their scouts. You know, Messiah Jerry said this last year before, uh, he ever got Corey Joseph that believe me, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time in Canada looking for Canadians. But mm-hmm. even though Thon's not necessarily a Canadian, he kind of falls into that. Uh, but we're not just going to put somebody in a team because that's what they are or that's where they're from. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting back to the BioSteel game, uh, as you said at the beginning of this interview, you've had an opportunity to be a little bit more intimately involved in this than most people, I think, would necessarily know. Um, so going into this game, obviously we all know the big names. We know the Khalif Youngs. We know the Thon Makers and the Mature Makers as well, to make an argument for him as well. And even Ignis Brzezikas after the kind of, you know, uh, coming out party he had against Oak Hill Academy, uh, the Jordan brand classic. Are, is there anybody that you think people should be able to take a, a look at or someone that, you th- that you're expecting may surprise a few people uh, during this game? Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, Brzezikis said, you know, I think Ignis is a special player. And, uh, you know, one of the other perspectives that I have is I have a lot of schools that call me. Uh, that I have relationships with and ask me about these kids. And, uh, uh, it's amazing the interest that they have. Uh, you know, they'll, it's kind of, it'll be put out, well, this guy's got this school and this guy's got a couple of these schools. Trust me, there's a lot more schools, uh, than, you know, uh, than they list as far as the interest goes with all these players. And, you know, Brzezikis is an intriguing player because he can score inside, outside. He's very deceptively athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just has a cool demeanor on the floor. Uh, another kid that I really like is Jalen Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a player that uh, I, I think has tremendous potential uh, to do a lot of good things on the floor. I mean, he, he defensively he can really get after you and guard. Uh, you know, he can he can run the floor. He can, he's getting much better shooting the basketball. Uh, you know, last year was kind of the first time he's leading a team. I, I think he's a player that. Uh, has a, has a great upside. Uh, a player that's not in the, in the prep league, but a player that's already represented Canada at the junior level, uh, Danilo Juricic at St. Mike's. Mm, uh, yes. You know, he's a player that, I tell you what, I, I can't go anywhere, uh, without college coaches coming up to me and talking to me about him. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he, he's a very special talent. Uh, that sometimes can get lost in, uh, say a bio steel type of environment mm-hmm. or, 
you know, even at St. Mike's, they had a younger group at St. Mike's and he struggled, uh, the team struggled at times. But when you put him at a high level, like a national team, a junior national team, or, you know, I watched him play with his uh, bounce team where you have a high-level group of kids around him. His game just goes off the charts because of his basketball IQ. Uh, you know, a biosteel game, it's, you know, it's an all-star game. So yeah. games like that aren't necessarily conducive to everybody. Um, but Juricic is a player that in the right environment, uh, you know, he just does everything well. And uh, if you, when you watch him play, you don't look at the stats. You just watch the little things that he does. Uh, that'll jump out at you that have, like I said, I have countless coaches coming up to me, uh, and talking and talking about him and, and how impressed they are with what he does. Mm-hmm. Last question, uh, Leo. Um, how many years do you think it's going to take for this event to start turning into a seniors only event, much like the McDonald's All Americans? Or do you think it's even necessary at all to do that? I think it would be great to have something like that, and I think this is well on its way. I mean, last year it was extremely well received, and hey, the fact that you're on, you know, you're on national TV across the country, um, yeah, that that's a huge thing for these kids. Um, you know, like I said, I just go back. You know, when I was coming up, I mean, there was nothing. Man. But you know, like I said, think about uh, you know the fact that you know uh, a, a major national network. Like TSN mm-hmm. is going to spend a great deal of time. Um, you know, they're going to be there. I know for for a fact that you know I'll be there on Saturday and and Sunday I'll be gone, but TSN is going to be there for the futures game, the the slam dunk, the three point competition. They're you know they're they're getting bios together and all these kids and all that stuff to promote the game. Um, you know you know that's huge. Yeah, uh, it's huge for these kids to have that at home. Uh, and for people across Canada to know who they are. Um, so, you know, I think it's well on its way to becoming, you know, a McDonald's all-star game. And, 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 and although the difference to me, um, you know, the McDonald's all-star game can bring in a few Canadian kids that are playing over there. That's happened. Yeah. I would like to see, make sure this stays as guys playing in Canada or Canadians abroad coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to. I, I want to keep this because the United States, for example, McDonald's doesn't need. Uh, their kids don't need any more promotion. <laughs> you know yeah. What yeah. No. Well said. Anything you can give the Canadian kids in Canada would would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, I hope it stays like that and, and just continues to grow. But uh, you know, it, it, I think it's thrilling for these kids. The Jordan Brand games where, where I know these kids where the kids love the opportunity to play and those were televised nationally so uh, th- these are just great things that are coming and I think it's just going to continue to get better um, and, and you know what, one thing I'd love to see kind of off topic but mm-hmm. I, I think it's an extension of this I'd love to see the Canadian universities um, eventually kind of get to a, say a division one where you take the top the top schools that want to recruit, that want to have to give scholarships, that want to really compete at a high level, and you have your own kind of Division One in Canada where you give kids uh, even more of a reason to stay here because the and the and the CIS is elevating every year because of the number of kids playing now. Uh, that you know by default you're going to get kids that are going to stay mm-hmm. that are pretty good, but if you give them even more reason to stay, I think. That's kind of the next progression. And if you just, if your, if your Canadian university system gets even better, uh, that's all part of the overall development. So I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, this grassroots stuff at the high school stuff, the CIS, all that's just going to keep developing the game in this country. And that, that's just great to see. Leo, it's been an absolute pleasure. The, uh, the insight you've uh, been able to share with us today. I don't think I could have found it anywhere put together more articulately. So. Thank you so much for taking the time talking with us today. And uh, I had an opportunity to be at the Biosteel last year, and I, I saw these events, and it was a hell of a show. So it's it's really exciting to see this back for another year. And uh, it's always great to see uh, people such as yourself that have played such a huge part in Canada's game up here to uh, take such an active role in this. So uh, thank you very much for taking the time. Well, Ryan, I appreciate it. appreciate the kind words. And like I said, you know, for an old guy like myself, it's just uh, it's thrilling to be a part of the, you know, the growth in the <laughs> 
game, it, you know, whether it's announcing it or watching it or you know, watching my kid, it's just it's just a thrill for me. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and that was a shocker to me. I actually I checked your Wikipedia page. I'm like, he doesn't look a day older than that. That's that's not right. <laughs> he looked way younger. <laughs> uh, Makeup in a girdle. That's my secret. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time again, uh, Leo Routens and uh, Leo. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. We hope to have you back sometime. Be greatly appreciated. Anytime. Let me know. All right. Thanks a lot, Leo, and uh, have a great day. That's uh, Leo Routens, uh, Canada Basketball. Anything you name it, he's done it. <laughs> have a great day. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Bye. And once again, that was Leo Routens, uh, one of the major contributors towards this event. Uh, he'll be doing uh, commentary on the game, actually, himself. So, uh, And he was there last year to do commentary as well. So it was an absolute pleasure to have him on the TOT cast to discuss this event uh, and once again if if you guys are anywhere in Toronto be sure to go and check it out uh, it's it's going to be one heck of an event it's going to be happening at seven o'clock at the University of Toronto downtown campus make sure you can try and make it out for that um, and that's going to just about wrap it up for this edition of the TOT cast my name is Ryan Greco and once again thank you very much for listening I hope you guys enjoyed the interviews and uh, be sure to check out the Bowsteel all Canadian high school game Happening Monday, April 11th. Everybody take care and have yourselves a great night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.